Hi, this is Pastor Jeff Vines in Los Angeles, California, and all of our staff from all around the world who are involved in Today with Jeff Vines want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. It's an uncanny thing that people who recognize that Jesus is the light of the world and realizes that our task is to show people that this encroaching darkness is temporary, that he who calmed the storm will one day calm the storms forever, and there'll never be any more darkness is the same one that wants to come into you and light up the darkness in your life and to expose your weaknesses. And the uncanny thing about it is, for those who really understand it, they embrace that. They actually welcome God to come in and set a divine spark so that you may know the darkness in your life and that you'll give God the permission to come in and push it back so that you can be a light to the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. Today. Today. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Or if you've just found the show and this is your first time listening, welcome. My name is Bill and we bring you messages from Pastor Jeff, welcoming one and all to live closer to God every day. In this episode, we continue a message about those parts of our lives where we say, don't look the parts we try to hide from God. Let's hear the rest of this message now. Here's Pastor Jeff. Listen, Jesus came to show you what the world was going to be like when darkness is completely done away with. And so the blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised. Oh, everything's made new. His light shines forever. It will never run out of energy. Everything that we've lost will be renewed and restored, including those we've lost and loved. Now here's the point. And we move on to the next section. Listen, we should be the happiest people on planet earth. See, when you go out and see the Christmas lights this year, don't go out and just look at the lights. If you're going to get this Christmas thing right, when you look at it, you're supposed to be reminded The whole thing originates from the idea that one day, as beautiful as these lights are, one day there will be no darkness. It will all be light. We're supposed to be happy. We're not supposed to be people who are overwhelmed by encroaching darkness because we know that darkness is on borrowed time at best. And so we're supposed to be joyous. We're not supposed to be depressed and downtrodden because of the darkness. We're supposed to be joyous and excited and people who are ambassadors for the light of God. And we're supposed to tell the world through our actions, through our words, through the way we live, that don't worry, darkness is having its day right now, but one day darkness will end forever and the light that has come will push it back and everything associated with it. So there'll be no more death, no more crying, no more mourning, no more pain, no more nothing associated with darkness. And we're supposed to be happy. But some of you need to tell your face. You, you don't look very happy. 
You say, how do you know? Because I see you every week. I'm not saying you just dance around all the time, but if there's ever a place you're going to be happy, it should be here. Because this is a place you're reminded of the light that has come into the world, that God has given us a great gift. Remember what we said a few months ago? We said, based on what you believe about the future is going to determine the way you live now. If you really believe that the future is coming and the future as it comes, darkness will be pushed back by the ultimate light, then you should be a happy person. But you're not. And let me tell you why you're not. You keep forgetting that even though the darkness hovers over you, it won't win. Some of you need to speak to the darkness. You do. You need to just say, hey, you're not going to win. And just get a flashlight, you know, whatever you have to do, whatever you have to do. This, I feel it. It's there, but it's not the last word. And then you, your face will start to smile. You'll be happy. Now, here's the reality. If that's true, that light is coming to push back the darkness, then two other things are true. The first is this. Then Jesus, if he's really God, you can't just like him. It's not an option. John R.W. Stott, in a classic work called Basic Christianity, says that if you read the Bible, you'll discover three types of people and three types of responses to people who heard Jesus, spoke with him, listened to his messages. Number one, you either hated him and tried to kill him because you thought he was a blasphemer because it was very clear he was saying he was God. Second, you were scared to death and thought he was a lunatic, so you ran as fast as you could. Or three, you fell down, worshiped him, and gave him every single part of your life. But he's not just Somebody who gives good advice. Somebody who's a pretty good teacher that says some intellectual things. If he's God, man, if it's God come to earth, if it's Emmanuel, he deserves everything and every part of you. And the thing he wants the most is for you to understand that Christ is the light of the world and he is going to push back the darkness and one day everything associated with it will dissipate, but it all begins as he lights the divine spark in you and the darkness starts to go out of you and you shine like the light of the sun and people see the light in you and are compelled and then by your testimony, they learn about the light that is coming where all darkness will dissipate. So that's the question. How are you doing with that? My son Delaney, when he was about eight years old, he liked to throw rocks at my car. It's just one of those things. And I walked out of the front door in New Zealand and I saw him throwing rocks and I said, Delaney, it's like the third or fourth time I'd caught him. I guess he just likes the sound of the pebbles hitting the car. He was young, little boy. And I looked at him, I said, Delaney, you throw one more rock at that car, I'm gonna spank you. Now, before I get any emails, just get over it. I'm, not, I'm just gonna throw it right in the trash can. And so... Delaney, you want more rock in the car? I'm going to spank you. And Delaney was in a dilemma. You could see his little mind turning. So he's got the rocks in his hand and he really wants to keep doing it. But he just heard me say, if you throw one more rock, I'm going to spank you. So he's, he's, he's got a dilemma. So he thinks about it for a moment. He pauses. He looks at me and says, dad, yes, son, don't look at me. <laughs> son, it doesn't work that way. It's an uncanny thing that people who recognize that Jesus is the lot of the world and realizes that our task is to show people that this encroaching darkness is temporary, that he who calmed the storm will one day calm the storms forever and there'll never be any more darkness is the same one that wants to come into you and light up the darkness in your life and to expose your weaknesses. And the uncanny thing about it is for those who really understand it, 
They embrace that. They actually welcome God to come in and set a divine spark so that you may know the darkness in your life and that you'll give God the permission to come in and push it back so that you can be a light to the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So can I ask you, are there any areas in your life right now that you're saying, don't look at me, God? I'm padding my expense account at work and I'm embezzling money, but don't look at me, God. I'm in an illegitimate relationship and I'm taking something that doesn't belong to me, but don't look at me, God. God, I know I should turn to you in the midst of all this encroaching darkness, but I've turned to this addiction. It's stuck to me like Velcro. It's destroying my life, but God, don't look at me. I'm being entertained by things that should appall me. This should catalyze a sense of righteous indignation. But instead, I embrace it fully. But God, don't look at me. What I allow my eyes to see and my ears to, to hear and my mouth to say, we know it's dark. But we say, God, don't look at me. For those people who really embrace the light, they said, every morning I get up, Jesus, I'm going to live for you. You either hated him, you feared him, or you worshiped him, but you didn't say he's inspiring. He's kind of a cute Messiah. He's a good little leader. I try to learn what I can from him. I had a friend in New Zealand named Safri. And uh, <laughs> he said, Pastor Jeff, I'm just not radical like you because we were playing a lot of golf together. And I noticed he comes to church about once every eight to nine weeks. And I'd say, Safra, you know, we become good friends now. I can speak truth into your life. What's up with you? You just kind of come and go. He said, well, no, no, I believe in Jesus. I'm just not like you. What do you mean? I'm not radical like you. What do you mean? He said, well, I think Jesus is a good teacher and I can learn some things, but I'm not going to give my life to him. See, you're missing the point. You worship God, not only because he's the source of everything, because he's the source of everything wonderful. Do you know what, you know what wonderful means in the Bible? It means beautiful. Everything beautiful, love, relationship, compassion, goodness, intimacy, all that is bright. Do you see that? That's why the lights are there. All that is bright, all that is bright, all that is warm, all that is good. And anything he asks you to give up on planet earth, he does so for reasons to push the darkness out so the light might shine. And he will more than infinitely make up for it to an infinite capacity in the world that is to come. Now, do you have me? <laughs> do I have you? <laughs> wow. My mind's kind of turning. All right, stay with me. It's almost over. Isaiah tells us there is a light that's shone into the darkness. And one day that light is going to ultimately push back all darkness and everything associated with it. In the meantime, though, God lights the divine spark in us. And we're supposed to be different. And because we're different, our light attracts. Now, there is, a, there is a part of the Christmas story that most of us don't like. And even though we understand that God is pushing back the darkness with his light, most of us wish he would push it back a little faster. Right? Matter of fact, let me give you a little demonstration here. We want the Christmas lights to be like this. To just be bright. We want, we want Christ to come down with power and authority. So that everybody will see he's in charge and he's the boss. And so as we turn these lights down now. Instead, he comes humbly in a manger, in a cave, in a feeding trough. And he does so because he knows that the way to the human heart is not through power and authority, but through service and sacrifice. And he's going to push back the darkness on planet Earth as he lights that divine spark in all of us. And as the light shines bright in us, 
And as the darkness dissipates, we're supposed to be a light to the world. Can I ask you a second question? How are you doing with that? Is there something so compelling about your life that when people see you, it's like being blinded by a light they had not previously seen? There's something in your life that gives them hope. You're not like everybody else. And if there's not, you've got to ask why. Because the Spirit of God comes in for the purpose of removing the darkness so that your light can shine brightly. If the darkness is in you, how great is the darkness indeed? What is it that's different about you? You know, I got, I got the chance to meet Charles Stanley in 1999. I've met a lot of famous preachers and people, but Charles Stanley is one that really sticks out because he exudes with humility. And I went into his First Baptist Church downtown Atlanta where his offices are and In Touch Ministries there behind. Took me into his office and in the corner of his office he has an old plywood box basically. That's his prayer chamber. He sits in that every morning for an hour or two just praying before he starts his day. When I came in, first of all, I didn't realize how tall and big. He's as big and tall as I am. We're both about 6'4". And uh, I took his hand. He took his hand in mine, big hand. He looked me right in the eye and there was just some, there was such a spark in his eye and his life. He made me feel like I was the only person on planet earth for about 30 minutes. He just exudes with humility. What do you exude with? What do you exude? When people see you, what, do they, what are you known for? Gossip? Pessimism? Negativity? A complainer? A grumbler? It should not be. You should be happy. You, you should be the most joyous person people know. Because you know that although the darkness is encroaching, one day it'll be pushed back. And you've allowed God to do his light in you. And I keep, this is the last part. Stay with me and then it'll all come together. If Jesus is really God, then you must receive his gift. He says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. Now look at verse five. This is the clincher in the end. This is the clincher. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Wow, that comes out of nowhere. All of a sudden we're talking about light and darkness and unto us a son is born, or unto us a son is given us, and boom, every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. What's he saying? The writer's saying this. For the light to come into the world and destroy the darkness, a great battle is going to have to take place. But it's not yours to fight. So all your weapons, just take them and throw them into the fire because they're no good. Now stay with me. This is the end and I got like five minutes to do it. So I'm just going to shove this over here and forget that. Listen, most of us understand that we're saved by grace through faith, right? We got that. We know that we're separated from God because of our sin. We got that. Most Christians I know, they understand that. And you have to receive it as a gift, right? But isn't it true that some gifts are very difficult to receive, even though you want the gift? Now, let me give you a couple examples. I learned a valuable lesson couple weeks ago with my wife. Now, as I tell this story, I'm asking for grace and mercy from you women. Okay. Uh, try to try to look from the man's side and men, I'm going to say something that you probably want to say to your wife a long time. So I'm going to be your mouthpiece today. Okay. And I think you're going to appreciate it. I might get killed before I get out of here, but my wife sometimes will go through these stages where she will complain about her weight. Now I never complain about her weight because 
I want to live. <laughs> but, but the reality is, if you know my wife, my wife is somebody that she should not be complaining about, the way, but she complains all the time. And by the way, women, just so you know, we men do not think you're fat. You're the one that thinks you're fat because you keep watching the wrong commercials on TV and you think you got to look like that. We don't expect you to look like that. We like you just the way you are. And if we don't, then that's, that's our problem. So the, prop, the point is, but when you complain all the time, we're men, we want to fix it. Okay? So she starts complaining like two or three weeks and then it's like I can tell she's feeling bad. So I decided, you know what? And I know now it was a mistake. I, I, okay, I, I understand that. It was a mistake. I got that. But I want you to know I meant well. I'm just stupid. And so I was online doing some Christmas shopping. On one of those days, she was complaining, and I saw Nutrisystem was on sale. Grace, Grace, now, come on now. Come on. So I thought, wow, this is a great idea. Look at it from my perspective. I'm thinking, hey, I don't have a problem with your weight, but you do. So here's a gift. And I'm thinking, you don't have to cook because they provide all the meals, right? And it was like half price. So I thought, I envisioned Robin, when the first box came, I envisioned her saying, oh, honey, give me a kiss and a hug, and it's all good. It didn't happen that way. <laughs> and uh, I got the box. I got the box, and I brought it into the house. And uh, I said, look. And she goes, well, honey, what's that? And I said, look, you've been complaining about your weight. I got you three months Nutrisystem <laughs> with the shakes and everything. And I'm smiling. And she looked at me <laughs> with a look I have not seen for quite some time now. And she said, fine, you unwrap the boxes while I go get your toupee. (laughs) Man, that was cold, man. And she doesn't talk to me like that. Okay, it was a mistake. But but my point is, if you unwrap your Christmas present for somebody and it's a a diet book, or if it's a book entitled How to Win Friends and Influence People, you know, part of you is going to say, okay, I know I'm fat and obnoxious, but thanks for the presence. You know, in order to receive the gift, you've got to admit some things about yourself that you really don't want to admit. That's why it's hard for people to receive the gift at Christmas. Because to receive it, you have to admit that you are in such desperate situation that God had to come to planet earth himself to rescue you. That you are in such desperate situation that you are not able to pull your bootstraps up and stand worthy in the presence of God. You need a gift of total grace. Now, most people understand it with salvation. What they don't understand it is in sanctification. So now everything comes together. Sanctification is just a biblical word for how God removes the darkness in you so that the light can shine. Okay, this is the end of the message. It's when it all comes together. God wants to remove the darkness so the light can shine, so that people can see your life, and so that they can know that one day an ultimate light is coming that will push back the darkness once and for all. And the work that we began, God will complete. But the question is, how does God push back the darkness? Most of you think that salvation is by grace, but sanctification is by work, and you're wrong. Because some of you will go out after I said some of those things, and you'll make a list of 10 things that you're going to start doing right. Good luck. You've got to start to look at this in the way the Bible does. And one of my favorite paintings is by Thomas Kincaid, and it's a boat just out on the sea. One boat. The reason I like it is because when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, it talks about the Spirit as a wind. And you don't know where it's coming from and you don't know where it's going. John chapter 3. The Bible says and explains this whole process of the light overshadowing the darkness in us. As your life is a boat on the sea, 
Your job is simply to raise the sails and allow the wind to blow you into whatever waters God needs to blow you in so the darkness will dissipate and the light will shine forth. Sometimes it means he's got to blow you into stormy waters because the darkness is so thick and the only way he's going to penetrate the darkness is to blow you in a time where you realize the only way I can get out of this is through God. And at that point, then you become to the end of yourself and the darkness dissipates and the light shines forth. You have to get to the point where you realize salvation and sanctification are a gift of grace. And it's all a matter of kneeling down to Emmanuel, God with us, and saying, your life, my life belongs to you. You are the light of the world. I want the light in me so that I can show everybody that the light is going to destroy the darkness. And so God, I'm giving you permission to blow my ship into any waters you choose be it calm or medium or even torturous. If that's the way the darkness gets out of me, that the light may shine. This Christmas, I just want you to go out and when you see lights, you say, man, these are not just lights. I'm the light of the world and Christ is gonna light up my life. And as he dissipates the darkness, people are gonna see a difference and a uniqueness in me, the divine spark. And so all I want you to do for, for a lot of you, You would beg for one minute of quietness. Our lives are so filled with hustle and bustle. I'm going to give you that one minute. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask all of you to kneel. You can kneel or you can just sit where you are and put your head in your hands. You can do it whatever way you choose to say, God, I get that the light is going to overwhelm the darkness, but I want the light to overwhelm the darkness in my life. Therefore, God, so that I can be a divine spark. Therefore, God, I'm going to kneel before the Christ child and say, you are sovereign. You are king of kings, Lord of lords, prince of peace. And the government will rest on your shoulders and your kingdom has no end. I'm in your kingdom now, Christ. Let your light shine in me. Lead me, do whatever you need to do. You are sovereign over my life. If you do that now, you'll start to get the Christmas thing right. Will you do it with me? Give your life to God. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me wanna dance and sing With every single breath I bring I will break this offering You Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Vines from Los Angeles, California. Can I tell you that this Christmas is going to mean something very special to me? Even those of us who preach the gospel often and spend a lot of our days in the Word of God, as you grow and mature in your faith, you start to see things perhaps you've never seen before. And this is one of those years. And the reason is because I have a granddaughter now. And I've learned something about the love of God. You know, the Bible tells us that if we, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more then can God give good gifts to those who love Him? I thought I had understood this until I had a granddaughter. This Christmas is going to mean a lot to me because I feel like I've regained the wonder. My little granddaughter came into this world. Her name is Ada, totally dependent upon her parents. 
to bathe her, to clothe her. In fact, when my daughter-in-law, Jessica, was pregnant with Ada, I remembered how much a child depends on the parent. But the other thing is when little Ada grows up now, she's almost three years old, she walks into a room totally confident that everybody's interested in everything she has to say. Whether intelligent, not intelligent, everyone's interested. And it reminded me that Jesus actually said that unless you become a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, as children, Christmas holds so much wonder because God himself holds so much wonder. And we, sometimes we lose the wonder of Christmas because we lose the wonder of God. Jesus is trying to help us understand that God loves us. If we can love our grandchildren the way we love our grandchildren, how much more then can God love us? And I'm reminded of how dependent I am on God, really dependent, that anytime I take confidence in my self-righteousness, it's only a day or two when I realize that every time I take two steps forward, I seem to take three steps back. I need forgiveness every day of my life. I need grace. But the other thing is, if you don't understand how much you depend on God, then quite frankly, you won't depend on God for every moment of your life. When you start to somehow in the course of life devalue the love of God. That is, that Jesus is actually interested in every thought you have. Every time you walk into a room, he wants to know what you're thinking. He cares about every event of your life. See, if you have too low a view of Jesus, you can't approach him childlike. And if you have too high a view of yourself, you can't approach him as a child approaches the parent. I've understood perhaps for the first time, if God loves me, like I love my little granddaughter, Ada, who will often ignore me, <laughs> but I still love her, who will often go throughout her day without thinking of me, but I still love her, and who will often do things to manipulate me, and yet I still love her. If I, though being evil, can love my granddaughter, how much more can God love me? And that reminds me the wonder of Christmas has to do a lot with the wonder of God that in my humanity, Although sometimes I ignore God, although sometimes I show no interest, although sometimes I become self-serving, self-aggrandizing, downright narcissistic, God never stops loving me. And quite frankly, I'm amazed at that. I hope that you will regain the wonder of Christmas as you regain the wonder of God and how much He loves you. It is immeasurable. Merry Christmas, everybody.